Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast, where our goal is to equip you with the tools you need to ditch the prayer guilt, grow in your relationship with God, and pray like you and nobody else. Stay tuned for our latest episode after this quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm really excited to be here with Jessica Hoddle, who's the author of Face Off With Your Feelings, among other books. Jessica is a spiritual growth coach, a podcaster, an author, and a speaker with a passion for teaching Christian women how to honor their feelings and heal from their hurt from a biblical perspective, which I just love. I can't wait to get into this today, Jessica. Thanks for being here with us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about it today too. Yeah. Well, before we get started, we definitely would like to know what's your favorite prayer closet. We just ask this of all of our guests. Where do you like to go to pray and just feel close to God? I don't know if I have one location specifically, especially in my house, um, mainly when it's just me in the house is probably my favorite, um, but outside for sure. I love walking, always have. So anytime I'm outside is usually my cue to just really start talking to God. So I would say my prayer closet is anywhere outside or just anywhere I can find alone in the house too. I love it. I, we've been camping this summer. We camp most summers, quite a few weekends, and it's just great to wake up and be out in nature and just be able to be with God or even to sit on the back porch at home, you know, and just be outside. Like you said, it just feels like literally a breath of fresh air. (laughs) And it's been hard because we were just talking before I hit record that it's both of us have had a lot of rain here lately. And it's been hard not being able to go out and just sit on the patio. I could, but I'd get really wet. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, you are a kind of a specialist in just helping women process through difficult things, difficult feelings and, and move into freedom, which I just, I love that. I would just love to know what inspired that, what inspired you to write this book and to begin this ministry in general and who's it for? Yeah, I, for me, I would say it was the end of kind of the end of last year, maybe middle to the end where I really felt this leading into this. It was, you know, when I started writing this book, I wrote it over two years ago now, almost three years. It took me two years to write it. I rewrote it like four times. And in this process, every time I rewrote it and added things, I feel like the Lord was continuing to work on my own heart of what, what is this gap that I keep seeing amongst believers? And what I noticed, especially in the social media world and things that were coming up is feel all of your feelings. It's okay. And the other side was we shouldn't have feelings and they're bad and you should never, ever follow them. 
And there's truth to both sides. We should never follow our feelings, but our feelings bad. And then there was the other side where it's like, okay, yes, we should be able to process our feelings, but that's not where we stay. And I wanted to be able to bridge the gap between both of this is what I'm experiencing. I don't have to deny my reality to believe that God exists or to live in the truth. And I think we try to do that. We try to erase all the negative emotions when those emotions can also serve a purpose and just invite us into the relationship with the father. Yeah. And I just, what you said really resonates with, you know, acknowledge them and process them, but don't stay there. That's Mm -hmm. something that, um, you know, being able to process them instead of just experience them and validate them is so important. And it just reminds me, I had a conversation with my daughter. We were, I forget what it was. She's very sensitive in general. She gets, she cries at a lot of things that just, you know, she, she misses people when they leave, like everybody does, but she just seems to feel them a little bit extra, um, big. And we were talking about it and I said, it's okay to be sad. And, but I said something to that effect. And I didn't really know if it was right to tell her that, but I just said, it's okay to be sad for a while, but don't stay there. Let's move forward. But I, I don't, I would love to hear you talk about that for me personally and selfishly just for myself and for my daughter, what does that look like or mean to process them and then move forward yeah. Do, do you no, move out a, of them or do you deal no, with them and put a nail yeah. in the coffin? Well, I think that we see in scripture a couple of different things. Two things that come to my mind is we even see Paul writing, like, do not let the sun go down in your anger because it gives right. way for the enemy. And I think that one, we see the fact that we're going to have anger and two, there's a timeline. We see to not let it, you know, take root because anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And feelings are not bad. Feelings are not a sin, but feelings can lead us to sin, right? And I think that's the difference is that when we hear feelings, we have to identify, are we reacting out of our feelings or are we just sitting in in them, suing on them? And the other one is the denying ourselves. And when we think of the scripture um, where Jesus is talking about denying yourself, you know, pick up my cross. And I think it's important that he's not talking about denying your existence. Like you're not denying your reality and acting as though nothing's happening. And you're just like this worthless being, um, the way, the thing that is important for me is that we don't have worth apart from Christ, but in Christ we have worth. And, and it's important for me to help women establish the fact that if we are a Royal priesthood and chosen and holy and righteous in the eyes of God, then how do we actually walk out that process? Is it, do we say bad things about ourselves? Do we, you know, stay in these big emotions and these sadness? Like, what does it look like to live in the righteousness and holiness of God? It's not that we don't have worth, we have worth through Christ. And so when we think about denying ourselves, it's denying our fleshly part and choosing the righteousness of God, choosing holiness. So, for example, to make it practical, if somebody, if you're driving and somebody cuts you off, and you're angry, you're denying yourself because you're respecting your brother or sister and looking at them as an image of God, an image bearer of God. When you, uh, somebody hurts you or says hurtful things to you, you probably don't want to forgive them, but you're going to deny yourself 
that selfish, that righteous, that self-righteousness in yourself, you're going to hand it over to God and put God, the justice in God's hand. And you're going to choose the righteous way versus the the way that I think is right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we talk about, so I say that to those things to say, there is a spot for your feelings at the table, but they're just not the centerpiece. And so you can say that you're angry, you know, for example, your daughter, you can say that she's sad, but is she responding out of her sadness? You know, and that is really the key, because if we start to respond out of our sadness, then it's starting to take root in our life. And that's when we have to deny ourselves or to just just start to destroy the strongholds or whatever is starting to form, because we don't want that root of bitterness to take hold of us. Hopefully that makes sense. (laughs) It does. That's great. I mean, I definitely think that's something, um, that we can all grasp is this idea of it's, and I love that picture. I'm a picture person. So the picture of it's got a place at the table, but it's not the centerpiece. Truth is the centerpiece. And we have to go on that, you know, and we've got to act on that. And I, yeah, I think that's great. Um, I, so there are so many, this idea of big feelings, the need for healing, like there are so many different reasons women might need emotional healing. Um, So, I mean, what are, what are some of the top categories that you have seen in, in talking with women that you kind of see as the top reasons that healing is necessary? I know there are way more than you could probably name, but do you see patterns of large categories of difficulty for women? Uh, I would say that when it comes to the emotional healing, it affects our relationship with God. And in that term, I see they struggle with hearing from God, trusting God and receiving God's love. Those are pretty much the top three. And then of course, being able to process through emotion is bundled into all of that. And I would say that those are the top three that women, because we feel like since we can't trust people on this earth, that we can't trust God. If we are hearing all these voices and we're wondering, well, which one is God? Because we're believing this thought that I don't matter, or, you know, am I supposed to be doing this business adventure? Am I supposed to marry this guy? Am I supposed to be, you know, writing this book or whatever? We start to question, is this, is, is this me or is it God? And and then we start to go into condemnation and we start to go into assumptions. And so it's important for us to recognize the thoughts that we think um, and to be able to analyze them because it talks about destroying strongholds and taking the thoughts captive, but that's an actual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Mm. And so it talks about scripture talks about training ourselves. And that means that if we're soldiers, cause we wage war. So that means that makes us soldiers in Christ we have to understand that there is training to be involved when it comes to our thoughts, when it comes to our healing is that healing is active. It's not passive. Renewing our mind is active. It's not passive. So is this going to take a conscious effort? Yes. Does it feel hard at times? Yes. But what I always like to say is that it's really tension there's a lot of change happening, happening, whether it's biological, neurological, when we renew our minds and create new pathways in our brain, it feels hard. And it feels like that the other way was easier. You know, I think of the situation, if, if someone's in a relationship 
and say a woman breaks up with the man because he's abusive or whatever the situation is, it's easy for that woman when she comes out to go, this is so much harder than being in the relationship. Right. You know, because we come out and we go, man, this is hard and I'm alone and you have all these feelings and you're thinking, well, maybe I made a mistake. And then you want to go back because like our- Egypt or like, you know, like, like the Israelites being brought out of slavery from mm-hmm. Egypt. And they're just like, it would be easier to just be what we're familiar with, you know, be back yes. where we, where we knew, even mm-hmm. though it's slavery. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, I wrote about that in my book about how they believed one way. So they lived one way. That's mm-hmm. the way that they knew. And God was trying to train them up through Moses of saying, look, I'm providing for you the clouds the light, the manna, you know, like he's making things appear. They always had enough. They never got dirty. Their, their thing, their sandals didn't wear out and he's trying to raise them up right into this love and affection, but they always choose the way that they had been in for many years. And we do the same because our brains are lazy. So they want to take the path of least resistance. Well, you touched on this a little bit. Can you just kind of tell us, um, so do you think that it's possible for, you know, I know there are women that are just like, yes, I need emotional healing. I've been in an abusive relationship that I'm trying to come out of, or I've suffered, you know, heartbreak at the hands of a close friend who betrayed me or, you know, whatever it is, an abusive family or situation or a divorce or, you know, painful times. Um, is it possible for women to need emotional healing and just be so busy that we don't notice it. Cause you talk about this, about how, um, healing takes time and it takes space. You have to create space to heal. And mm-hmm. I just look at the way I live my life. And too often I live this, just, I, I hide behind my busyness. Sometimes I hide behind issues that I know need to be thought about and talked about with God, mm-hmm. but I just staying busy is easier. So mm-hmm. do you, do you find that sometimes women are in need of deep healing and just don't even know it? Yeah. Well, I think that we stay busy because we're afraid to confront what's actually going on because yeah. sometimes when we stay busy, it's, it's scary to slow down and to actually think about what we're thinking about. And yeah. I think that's why some women have a hard time sleeping at night because mm-hmm. they go down to lay down for bed and now nothing is distracting them. And all the thoughts came from today that they didn't give any kind of acknowledgement to. And they're thinking, I shouldn't have said that. I cannot believe that that person did to me. Can you believe that that person, you know, like everything starts flooding because there's no distraction at this point. It's just you and God. And so I think that we stay busy because of that, because it is scary to acknowledge if we've been hurt or to recognize if we've hurt other people. And I think when I, and when I say space, I want to be clear in saying that I'm not talking about weekend getaways or, you know, whole days booked off or whole hours booked off. You can create space when you go to the bathroom by not picking up your phone. You can create space by sitting in the carpool line. You can create space by sitting at the red light and not picking up your phone. There are a lot of times in our day that we can choose to be in that space with the Lord and not something else. We can just be quiet and not listen to a podcast or even worship music, right? 
even something as good as worship music, we can use as a tool to ignore what's actually happening in and around us. And I think that that is something that we have to recognize if we're just trying to fill every moment of our day. And you'll see symptoms such as OCD. You'll see symptoms such as saying yes, people pleasing. Those can be symptoms of just the ignoring of what's going on inside. Wow. Are there any others? I was curious. Are there any other red flags that women need to look for, um, for, you know, to kind of be a sign that you're, uh, that you're avoiding confronting some of these things? I think there's, everybody responds differently, but I think a lot of people struggle with the fact of slowing down. Mm -hmm. Like if your schedule is always full, if you're always talking about how busy you are, if you're never saying no, if you're saying yes to everything, if every moment you're filling it with Netflix or you're just popping open your phone, to me, those can be signs. Not all the time. This isn't like, you know, but to me, it can come out of our behaviors, like I said, with the OCD and and things like that, where we just want to control the situation and we don't realize that we're doing that. And because Mm -hmm. it's something deeper going on inside of us. As you're talking about all of these things, I know I brought my daughter up in the beginning, but I'm thinking about all of my kids and just a generation of kids who have constant input. And just, I've seen the effects on my own kids just in reflection of my own childhood. And I'm like, they always have something, you know, they're either, they got their earbuds in listening to music or, you know, they've got a television on or they're, you know, talking to Alexa in the kitchen, you know, it's because we've got an echo dot, you know, and just, I see this just constant and I see it at night that they have a lot more trouble winding down and sitting with their thoughts. And I just, I feel like, there's just, it's, it's hard enough being a woman today with all of these things, but I'm sure for kids, it's, they have similar things. And I, and I'm just realizing the importance of learning these things for ourselves as women so that we can teach these things to our kids to make sure that they're not becoming avoidant or because there's, they literally could fill every second of every day with input if they wanted. hmm Yeah. Yeah. And I think that our goal is to not just use scripture as a band-aid. I think that so many times if somebody's feeling anxious, they look up anxious scriptures and that's, and that's good, but that's not going to destroy the stronghold. That's not going to renew your mind per se. Mm -hmm. We have to anxiety, depression, anxiousness, anything that's anger, sadness is all fruit. It's not the root. Mm-hmm. And when we start acknowledging that instead of putting scripture on top of this fruit, right, it's, it's not going to help the actual soil and the roots that are growing. Um, and so if you just even think of a plant, you know, you're not going to just put something on top of the plant, right? You're going to make sure that the soil is good, that there's rich soil, or if it's bad, soil, you're going to, you know, get up all the weeds and take care of it properly, You're not just going to cut off the top and go, well, it's never going to grow back again, but that's what we do. We kind of reach for those scriptures and those are good in moments of desperation to remind us of the truth, but we don't want to live in just kind of this quick, instant Christian life. Mm -hmm. We want to flow from our identity and our, and our worth and what he says about us and scripture should aid in helping us get back there 
not to just be a band-aid. Right. And it could be tempting to feel like you have your daily input of scripture by scrolling Instagram. You know, I know my Instagram is, is not personal. It's our praying Christian women Instagram. So it's all Christian authors and influencers and encouragers. And I could scroll through there and just be like, oh yeah, I got my soundbite of scripture for the day, but it's not a substitute. Like you said, I mean, it's definitely a plus and a great way to start your day and, or end it or whatever. But, um, but you're so right. You need that time to process and incorporate in context and not just slap a slap a scripture on at the end. And I think, um, so could you talk us through this? You have a three-step process to set up space to heal with intention. Could you talk us through that for those of us that struggle with space? Yeah, I think this is something I open with in the book and it's something that you can do at any time, whether you are sitting in, you probably won't have enough time at a red light, but if you're in a doctor's office or a carpool line, it's just bringing your thoughts into a conscious thought pattern, meaning you're consciously thinking about what you're thinking about. Cause most Mm -hmm. of the time we're not. And, you know, for example, if you're driving somewhere that you are routine with and you don't even know how you got there. Like, you know, have you ever just been driving and you're like, wow, I don't remember getting off the exit. It's terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying. (laughs) It's like your body and your mind have already established that habit, that routine, and it takes over. And so for us, we have to stop and consciously think about what we're thinking about. Cause it's just going to, again, our brains are lazy. So they're going to go to the most recent uh, narrative or belief that you have. And so the first thing is just being aware. I like to, there's, there's three steps that I always like to take people through. It's awareness, understanding, and then application. But the step is just awareness. Like what are the thoughts you're thinking right now? And you're just bringing them to your conscious mind. You're just thinking about them consciously. And then the next step is you just want to write them down write down the narratives, write down what you're thinking, why you're frustrated, what's happening in your day, what's going on that's causing some anxiousness or sadness or whatever it is. And then we want to go to scripture and say, what does God say about these things, about my identity? Because we want to bring truth all the time back to what we're experiencing and feeling. It's not covering it up. It's actually reading the word in context and going over, okay, what is he calling me to do here? I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling sad. What does scripture say about this type of feeling or about forgiveness or reconciling with my brother? There's application in that. And so we want to make sure that we're taking the knowledge that we have of God, which is in our mind and really getting to know him. So going from our head into our heart, because the heart piece is really what transforms through our application. And so it's awareness, writing it all down, going to the word and then applying the word over our lives. That's so good. And, you know, when you come from a place of truth, it's almost like putting glasses on, you know, it's like being, seeing, seeing everything fuzzy. And then you put the the truth glasses on and you just see life so differently when you come at it from the right lens. And Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely so important. Um, So when, when women go through these difficult times, 
I know we talked about one of the kind of idols or, or things we can go to, to sort of, I guess, turn to in place of turning to God when things feel heavy is just to get busy. But are there other things? Are there other just things that we can put in place that are either barriers or self-sabotage from, from going to the place of sitting with God with our hurt and our feelings? I work also with a lot of women who emotionally eat and stress eat. Mm. And this is a big one where we can easily go to food because food doesn't talk back. Food can be a false sense of safety. It can be a false sense of comfort. It doesn't manipulate you. You know, there, there are things that we hold about food that make us just in that moment feel better. And then mm-hmm. usually when we know when we're emotionally eating is we feel shame and guilt afterwards. Yeah. And so for me, food can easily become an idol. I've been there or you go to an outlet of working out. You can take something good mm-hmm. and turn it into a God in your life, right? It can be yeah. anything, whether it is going out, going outside or, you know, working out or eating, you can, anything that you think that you're doing to distract you from what God is actually calling you to do can become an idol in your life. And I think that that is what's important is anything that's elevated above God in your life is that idol in our hearts. And I think a lot of us can say we've had social media there, right? People's opinions, worrying about what others are going to think of us. I mean, these are all idols in our lives. What would you say you do with that? What is the, what's the first step for the woman listening? That's just like, yeah, oh, wow. I do that. Like, and Mm. they have the X, Y, or Z thing in their mind that they do. What would you say is the next Mm. step to get past that? Woo. Yeah. Depending on the situation, I guess if I was trying to maybe generalize it, it always comes back down to an awareness. And if you're willing to go there, yeah, most of the time they don't even recognize that they're, they're covering something up. So if I take eating, for example, they are always trying to find more knowledge about a good way of eating the next diet, the next workout, when really they have all the knowledge already, but they're not sticking with it. They're not applying what they already know. Mm -hmm. And if they do, it doesn't last. And so they might be at an awareness phase, or maybe you guys, you, your listeners do recognize, but then we have to understand that sticking point of what is actually preventing us from moving forward. What do we believe about God? Because that's going to impact how we view ourselves. And I guess we could say anything always comes back down to identity because how we do view God impacts how we, how we view ourselves because we're made in his image. So we can't separate those two things, but healing always begins with awareness. And then we have to go into even a management phase, but also understanding what Jesus did on the cross for our healing, for, for our thoughts, the power that we have through Christ, um, in the access and what I, I kind of loved this analogy. I've been, I heard it yesterday and I taught on it yesterday in my, in my Bible study is, how Jesus prepares the table for us. It's not a buffet. Like we're not bringing anything to the table. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that he brings it all. He brings the mashed potatoes, the turkey, the desserts, the gravy, he brings it all. And he says, it's all yours. So we, we don't have to just take the mashed potatoes. He's saying, no, you get the dessert, you get the gravy, you get the turkey, you get it all. And each, I feel like each food 
on the table will represent the different character and nature of God. Discipline. Things might feel really uncomfortable, but they still taste good, like dessert, right? It's like we love dessert, but sometimes we eat too much and we don't feel good after, right? But it's still good. And so I think that when we when we think about healing and we think about whatever it is that we're turning to, we have to ask ourselves, why am I turning there? And then we have to walk with somebody through that or continue to pursue the Lord and write down these steps. And if in, and in my book, I talk about renewing your mind. I go into deeper process, but it's kind of hard to generalize, a, you know, too many things to, to give a clear step-by-step. No, that's great though. Cause I mean, just just becoming aware of it. That's so powerful. And it can be scary because you think, oh, what all of a sudden you have this picture in your life of what it's like without that crutch, you know, or without that vice or that idol. And, and that can be scary to recognize that because as a Christian, knowing that it has no place in your life, you're at a crossroads, but that's so much better than being in the dark about it. You know, Mm -hmm. at least there's the choice to be made. At least there's the struggle to be had. Even if it's not easy, at least you've gotten yourself to that place of, okay, there, there's an elephant in the room now and somebody's got to do something about Mm -hmm. it. I I think that's really important. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Well, I really love the, just the, the importance that you stress of recognizing lies in the process of healing and that is, I mean, in any aspect of our lives, I mean, the Bible is truth. God is truth. And so anything aside from that is from the enemy and the world. And so I think that is so important. Um, so you talk about in your study guide, which I love, which by the way, can you just tell people real quick where they can get the study, the free study guide that goes along with your book? because it's, yeah, really- they, yeah, they can just go to jessicahuddle.com forward slash study guide, study hyphen guide. Okay. And, but yeah, it's, it's a great study guide. And so you talk there about some of the ways that you can recognize if lies are sabotaging our lives. So they're just some questions that you can ask yourself. Can you go through some of those? Yeah. I think for me, the most important one, if people are like, how do I know I'm believing a lie? Cause yeah. that's the often, you know, is you have to know what fruit is producing. And if you're thinking a thought of truth, it's going to lead to forgiveness, reconciliation, healing of some kind. It's going to lead to a fruit of the spirit. It's going to lead to peace. It's going to be kind. It's going to be compassionate. It's going to be understanding. But if we're focusing on a lie, it's going to make us feel crappy. It's probably going to bring some kind of destruction in our lives. It's going to make us feel self-righteous. It's going to make us not want to forgive. It's going to breed death versus truth breeding life. Mm -hmm. And death can breed again in anything I just mentioned and more. And life is the same way. Anything I mentioned in more the word always, I think when we think about healing, it's always this reconciliation because we're, we're reconciled with God through Jesus. But I think as we're renewing our mind, we're also becoming reconciled to the truth and renewing our mind, our old man mind, because we got a born again spirit. So we got a new spirit, but we have an unrenewed mind. And I think it's just this transformation that's happening for us in that process. So for me, into question and ask you to know what is that fruit produce? Like, what is that thought producing? What's the fruit? 
right away, you're going to be able to journal through and say, oh, like I'm thinking I'm not good enough or not worthy or not loved. I'm anxious because of this. Well, you can probably see then that what you're thinking about is rooted in some kind of lie at some point. And the same is thing for true. If you're feeling joy or excitement or happy that this friendship reconciled or whatever that is, you're living in the truth. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself and I admit I had never been to a therapist and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And so once you, um, well... I'm, I'm going to leave it at that for that particular question, but I think that's really good. And just so important again, to have scripture, to reflect that, to reflect those lies and mm -hmm. to recognize, okay, you know, if I'm feeling this way, some of these things that are making me feel this way, some of these thoughts, you know, you can test them against scripture and align them and see. And that's what I love about your book being so rooted in scripture. It's not just here's some self-help to help you, you know, yes. kind of prop yourself up, but it's so rich in scripture. And, and I just, that's what I love very much about it. Um, but I want to touch on forgiveness because you mentioned that a little bit. And I feel like we, we did an episode on forgiveness. I don't know, several months ago, maybe a year ago. And we got like, I mean, it's one of our top episodes. And I think everyone many, many people can relate to the need to forgive and the difficulty of forgiveness when you've been hurt badly. So I'm just wondering, you know, forgiveness is just, I'm sure that much, a large percentage of emotional damage comes from being hurt and having the need to forgive and, and just having that base so hard. So what advice do you have for the person listening who has, you know, desperately wants to heal, knows what she needs to do, but just doesn't know if she has it in her to forgive the person that's hurt her? Yeah. For me personally, I carried so much unforgiveness, but really it showed up in anger, rage, 
you know, resentment, bitterness. And for me, it was so hard for me to think about, okay, if I forgive this person, I'm basically saying it's okay what you did to me. Right. You're letting them off the hook. (laughs) Yes. And we have to, and and a lot of times too, people think that forgiveness is, is reconciliation. We think that forgiveness is trust. And so let me just break down those three first is Mm -hmm. that forgiveness is between one person. Well, to you and God. And you can do that without them knowing, or if you want to be reconciled, you would do it together. You would go to that person, but there are things and situations in our life that we don't, our healing does not depend on anybody else. Hmm. And sometimes we're waiting for people to close that for us. We want people to justify our pain. And so we're just kind of waiting for them to make it right. And so we live in our self-righteousness of I'm right, they're wrong. And they're going to, I'm going to wait until they get it right. And then I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But no, actually we can say I can be fine right now because I'm one with the Lord, right? I'm a co co co-laborer with the Lord. And so forgiveness is between you and God. Scripture says that, um, forgive, as I have forgiven you. So many times throughout the new Testament, we see that in one line, it says forgive because I have forgiven you. So there's two types of forgiveness, the forgiveness of our sins and the forgiveness of our brother and sisters and reconciliation takes two people. That means that it's going to take you and the other person, both agreeing that you're coming together, repenting, saying, sorry, and you want to make this work. Now, When you reconcile, that doesn't mean that trust is restored because again, we start to lump these together. Right. So forgiveness is given and forget and like just almost like nothing ever happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. And so Mm -hmm. we can have forgiveness for each other, for that person. We can enter into reconciliation with that person, but it's going to take time for the trust to be gained again, because they're going to have to prove their character that are they going to do what they say they're going to do. And so to sum that up is to say that when we choose to walk in forgiveness, it's not only a command in scripture, but it's saying that we are going to give this release of a debt. You're releasing somebody of a debt and you're putting the justice in God's hands. When we hold on to, I think the unforgiveness, at least I'll speak for myself. I wanted that person to suffer and I didn't want them to think that I was okay with them Mm -hmm. because forgiveness has this smooth way of making you feel like it's okay. I'm fine. Let's be friends. But when you start to understand relationships, how they're designed, reconciliation, trust, forgiveness, And what God calls us to, he's not calling us to go back into an abusive relationship. He's saying, when you forgive, you're putting the justice in my hands. And in scripture, especially in the new Testament, it talks about how he is the, he is our advocate. He is our avenger. Um, and he is the one that will do justice. And so when we're in that unforgiveness, we tend to try to take justice in our own hands Mm -hmm. and we want to make it right. And there is no no way that anything we do in our flesh, because we know that anger and unforgiveness is, is actually just works of the flesh is going to produce any kind of righteousness. Yeah. 
And as you were talking, it made me realize that like one thing that I've learned about myself is that there have been times, especially in my marriage, just because it's the person I'm closest to when I do the reconciliation, if there's, if there's a conflict, or even if there's a conflict in me where I feel like I've been wronged, I love peace and lack of conflict so much that I've, I always for a long time told myself, I'm, I'm a really forgiving person. It's easy for me to forgive and move on. But what I was doing for a long time was just acting like everything was okay without doing the forgiveness part. And so that issue would come up again and again in our interactions. And so I think you can do the opposite too, where you go through the motions and it looks like you've forgiven and moved on without having done the work inside and the true forgiveness inside. And that can be dangerous too, because it's a house of cards that's just going to come down on you at some point. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, yeah. Well, and I think it's important that we don't have to feel forgiveness to give, give forgiveness. That's I think we're always wait, like I'm going to wait until I'm okay. Like, no, Mm -hmm. when you're not okay is when you can speak and say, you are forgiven. Like I forgive you again. They don't have to know it can be between you and God, but that starts to take out that root and it allows you to begin to move forward in that process. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm also curious about what you would say to the woman who can't forgive herself. Who's the one that did the harming that did the damage and can't forgive herself and move on. Yeah. I, I just hit a topic on this last night in my Bible study and it's going to be a podcast. It's going to be a podcast episode on my podcast, but it's really this idea that I think when we hear forgiving ourselves, there's like scripture, there's no scripture that says to forgive ourselves. Just like I said, it's forgive as I've forgiven you. So there's two types of forgiveness. However, I think what we're most wanting is, um, totally, I think it's in Colossians where it talks about how we are to clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, um, with humility, with gentleness. And I think that more than anything, it's not about forgiving ourselves because the shame and guilt, there's nothing we can do to get rid of it. Jesus did. That's a good point. And so I think that it's more so how are we extending compassion? How are we clothing ourselves with compassion Mm -hmm. toward the pain that we've caused? Recognizing that we're not a sinner, that we are a saint, that we sometimes have a sin habit. And what does it look like to walk out being compassionate and kind and patient in our healing journey, patient toward ourselves, kind toward ourselves. And I'm just not somebody that is like, oh, we should just, yeah, any kind of compliment about ourselves is just being like conceited. Yeah. I just don't think it's doing the body of Christ any good. I think that we're pretending we're healthy, but we're just walking around barely hanging on. Um, and so to me, to clothe ourselves is really what I think is what our heart truly desires is to have more compassion toward ourselves, more kindness. If we could speak kind words over our body, over our situation, you know, if somebody hurt you to be able to say, wow, that really hurt. 
you're going to be okay. You're going to walk through this. Or when we mess up, it's, I really hurt this person and I'm feeling really sad about it, God, because this is where repentance comes in. Repentance is turning to God and literally changing your mind, which goes hand in hand with renewal, you know, Mm -hmm. renewing your mind. And so we actually, because scripture also talks about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. And this, I think that scripture really helps us identify what happens when we live in godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow, because Paul's writing to the Corinth church. And in his first letter, he was almost saying that he was sorry for writing the correction Mm -hmm. that he was experiencing, that they were experiencing. But he was in the second letter, he's saying that he was so grateful because it turned them to God and they became disciplined. And so I think that it's important for us to recognize that too, of how we can have godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And it's really clothed with compassion and kindness and patience and humility. That's good. I'm going to read that verse because it is so good. And so, and it's a great litmus test also. Um, it's from second Corinthians seven. So he talks about, yeah, godly sorrow. So I'll read from verses, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 10, where Paul says, even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended and were so not, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And that is so, that's so Mm -hmm. spot on. I mean, you know, obviously it's the Bible, but (laughs) it's just really, you know, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. It leads to life. It leads to freedom, but this worldly sorrow brings nothing but death. And I think that is, I had never thought about that. You hear this all the time in, in the worldly secular setting of forgive yourself, forgive yourself, but you are so right. It's not that we can't forgive ourselves. It's we're not accepting the gift of forgiveness. We're not believing in our complete, like Jesus's power and willingness to take that sin. And that Mm -hmm. it's, it's not something we need to give ourselves. It's something we need to give over to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's that shift in perspective is, you know, that's freeing for me just to know, okay, I don't have to conjure up this forgiveness for myself. Cause if I try to do that in my own strength, I'm not going to do it, but I can give something to Jesus. I can surrender. I mean, that's easy. Right. And so he does the heavy lifting there, which is, you know, uh, the lie of lies of the enemy always take that focus from God and put it on self. So it's not surprising. Well, he takes the heavy lifting, but we still have to lift. Well, you're right. Meaning like, you know, like, and I only say that because I think sometimes like in our cult, like the, the Christian culture, we just are like, I'm going to give it to God and that's it. And just nothing. Right. Yeah. And I think that there there's, it's important to recognize, like we still do have to lift, meaning we Mm -hmm. still get reps in. We still have to train our minds. We still have to think, um, we still have to say, I forgive. And And sometimes it has to be over and over again. 
But the reason why I even word things as forgiving yourself is because that's what so many people think they want to do. Right. And really, I think it's just when we do turn to the Lord in repentance, our sorrow will be gone, but yeah. it's continuing after to be kind. Like, Jess, you made a mistake. It's okay. You are going to learn from this and you've given it to the Lord mm-hmm. instead of like, okay, I feel shame and I feel guilt. And you're in so much pain and hurt over yourself instead of turning to God. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Well, we're just about out of time. I just, I would love for you to let listeners know where they can connect with you online and on social media to find your books, your podcast, your coaching. You have a Facebook group, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that too. Um, If you go to just jessicahuddle.com, you'll actually see on the homepage, um, Mm -hmm. my book and you'll see the Facebook group and you'll see my podcast, just jessicahuddle.com. And my book is face off with your feelings. My podcast is, you know, you can listen it wherever you are listening right now, (laughs) um, to the podcast and it's called from head to heart. And so I just love helping women get the word of God from their head right into their heart. Oh, I love that. Jessica, thank you. This has been really good. This has been like a personal therapy session for me and, you know, parenting advice for my kids. It's been all of all the things. So thank you. (laughs) Really. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, we're going to close up in prayer. How can we pray for you today? I would say with wisdom, clarity, and guidance. Okay. We will do all of those. So thank you. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. I just thank you so much for Jessica and for the message of healing and just the wisdom that, that she brings to women and just for her heart to bring freedom and healing to so many women through all of the things that she's doing. We just pray your blessing on her ministry, on her work. God, we just ask that you would um, give her everything that she needs, equip her daily with all of the things that she needs to pour out to women. We just ask that you would give her wisdom and clarity and that you would just allow her to um, just discern your next steps for her to discern the right things for her to do in her home, her family, her ministry, and her work. We just, um, we know that you're faithful to do that. And we just pray for that God, that, that the voice that she hears would be very clear and, and very um, obviously your voice, God, that, uh, that she would just, whether she turns to the right or the left, that she would hear that voice behind her saying, this is the way go in it, that you would give her that that clarity. And then that confirmation, once she starts walking in a direction that, that you're with her and and that you'll guide her and direct her. And we just pray that you would open doors for her that would just, just be immeasurably more than she could ever have asked or imagined that her book and um, her words would go out to more women than she ever expected. And that you would bless her abundantly and that women would be healed would be made whole and restored, would be um, brought into relationship with you for the first time or be brought back into relationship with you after a time away through the words of her book and through her podcast and all the ways she gets her voice out there, Lord. Um, And we just thank you so much for her. Protect her family, protect her ministry, and just help all of the things that she does, God, all of of the facets of her life and the hats that she wears um, glorify you. 
in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show. And we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to him and change the world one prayer at a time.